1: They are occasionally interesting.
0: All right, today we have Thomas with us on the show. Hello, and hello, hello. Hello.
2: Happy to be here.
0: So happy to have you. Um, so you are a very uh, intriguing combination of ridiculously humble and uh, ridiculously talented and uh, perf- performative
2: performative yeah you're, like you're an
0: interesting uh, contradiction juxtaposition of a human
2: wow that's yeah. a good that's i'm a, good a fan definition. thank you
0: thank uh you. <laughs> i don't know where to okay like could you just could you just tell us your whole life story from a uh, start to my whole life sitting story. on this couch right here
2: Jeez, i don't even know where to start
0: it starts in canada no starts in
2: canada yeah i'm uh, from canada um i grew up in a small town in canada uh, I moved to Southern Ontario for college. Uh, I study business and wine.
0: What? Yeah,
2: I studied wine in college.
0: I guess I, and then, because you moved to China, and then you were like this fancy restaurant consultant. Yeah, I was a restaurant
2: consultant. I have also have wine tattoos all over me, if you didn't notice that. Ever, I did not notice yeah, that. a, wine, a wow. wine glass there, a wine bottle there. Wait,
0: how did you come to have an interest in wine at such a young age?
2: Um, I started bartending when I was eighteen to kind of put myself through college. Um,
0: bartending at a wine bar?
2: No, no, no. I started bartending at a Dive Bar, um, and actually, my the first thing I took was uh, computer science, and I fucking hated. Oh, can I curse? Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: We 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 recommend <laughs> it. Okay. Yeah. Oh,
2: Okay. Okay. I don't know how PG this is. Um, so. Yeah, I I was working at this dive bar and I was taking computer science and I hated it. I hated computer science. It was dull. You know, the people in my class, they were either playing League of Legends or World of Warcraft every single day. That's all they talked about. And like, not that there's anything wrong with that if that's your thing. It's just not my thing. And I was like, fuck, you know, these aren't my people. So, yeah, and it wasn't my profession. I wasn't the best at it either. You know, I, I was okay, but I don't really like doing something where... I look around and I'm like, I'm never going to be the best programmer. I'm never going to be a great programmer. <laughs> so it's like...
0: Trevor, yeah. Trevor maybe <laughs> well, yeah.
2: That was, that was my opinion on it though. Like that's yeah, I don't want to do something that i it, never it's a gonna, frequent I'm never going to excel at, of the show. you know, yeah. I can be a good programmer. I can get a job as a programmer, but I'm never going to be one of the best programmers in the world. And it's like, you know, I want to do something else. and I wanted to do something creative as well, where I really liked the art of bartending, because there is an art there, and I yeah. like talking to people every day. I like people coming to my bar, chatting with them, and uh, I like the challenge of uh, bartending in, like, a high-volume environment, so I went from there to a hotel bar. It was a really high-end hotel bar, and I started there as a bar back, and then I was bartender, and then I was the bar manager. And then that's when I decided, I'm like, okay, I really like wine, because the hotel uh, bar had over 100 bottles of wine, and there was so much wine there, and I really liked it, so I went to uh, Niagara-on-the-Lake, which is Canada's wine region, and uh, yeah, I started studying wine there. Wow. Yeah, I did that for quite a few years.
0: Is it studying the whole production of wine from, like...
2: Yeah, there was some viticulture stuff. Um, A lot of it was wine tasting, so... Which, uh... I mean, it's kind of, it's not really a sham job, you know, like people say like a sommelier, uh, you know, a professional bullshitter. That's true, (laughs) but to actually get your certification in wine is not bullshit because that's really fucking hard where, you know, for an exam, for example, you'll have six wines in front of you and you'll have no idea about anything about the wines and they just give you a blank piece of paper And you need to tell, the grape varietal, the alcohol level.
0: What? Um, And can you do this? Are you good at this?
2: I was. Now, you know, I smoke cigarettes all the time. Yeah, you filled your palate. Yeah. Like, when I was doing it, I had to be careful what I ate before an exam. Um, I quit smoking. I didn't really smoke that much at that time. Um, But, yeah. And then I uh, I graduated from that, and I started working as food and beverage manager at a golf course um, in Niagara. And then, uh, that was six years ago almost, and, um, wintertime came in Canada, and, yeah, can't work at a golf course in the wintertime, so, it was like, fuck, well, what am I gonna do? I guess I gotta wait and do something until next season, so, I was gonna go on unemployment insurance, and then I was at a bar talking to somebody, and I was just kind of explaining my situation, and there was this other dude at the bar, and... It's like, oh, you should come to China. (laughs) And uh,
0: (laughs) And you said, okay. I
2: was like, China. I was like, fuck it. What am I gonna do in China? He's like, come for a month. Uh, You know, I'll fly you down there if you come for a month. I'll fly you back, give you a round trip ticket. You know, you can experience China and blah 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 blah. Just like a
0: bar patron who thought you were cute. Like, what's the, no, this is, dude, this is he was a straight dude. Why is he nice <laughs> like
2: this. Well, just? Yeah, he wanted a restaurant consultant for his restaurants oh, in China. Oh, okay. Um, he thing. owned a chain like Gosh, a restaurants in China. He owned a seafood chain. Uh, mainly oysters. Um, and I was at an oyster bar, oddly enough. And yeah, he had owned the oyster bar in Toronto. He was one of the owners of this place. So, yeah. And he was like, yeah, come to I'm doing, uh, China. I was like, all right. <laughs> You agreed,
0: so, agreed on-site, like, the first conversation you had about yeah, it? You yeah, yeah, like, yeah, okay. I was
2: like, fuck it, yeah.
0: Nice. Did I didn't really know?
2: have anything to lose. I was broke at the time. And how old are you? Uh, I would have been 23. 23, yeah. So, yeah, I was like, all right, fuck it. So, a month later, I was on a plane to China.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Then, uh, yeah, I arrived in China scary as hell you know I, I'd left Canada before I'd been uh, to South America and like the Caribbean but nothing like China that you know Asia's a different animal especially China like yeah. I got there and it was just shocking I remember just driving from the airport to uh, you know to uh, the hostel that uh, he put me up at I was like Jesus fucking Christ this is overwhelming Like,
0: what about it was overwhelming? We have not been to China.
2: Just the traffic, which is kind of similar to Thailand. I mean, it's a little bit more intense, the traffic driving in China. I didn't drive, but just being in the back of a car, I was like, holy shit. And there were no seatbelts. I remember that, too. This car didn't have any seatbelts, so I was (laughs) freaking the fuck out. Like, it's going to be my last car ride. (laughs) Uh
1: Um
2: And yeah, oh god that day, yeah, it was it was very overwhelming. Where, you know, the first day I was like, I wanna the first thing I was like, I wanna get the fuck onto a plane and get back to Canada. Like this is not for me. Um and he had put me I was living with a guy called Martin, who was my bar back and uh he worked this was in Shanghai, the first place I landed in uh China. And yeah, Martin was the bar back that I worked with. And he barely spoke any English. And we lived together in a room smaller than like maybe an eighth the size of this with just a bunk bed what? and a bathroom. An um, eighth the
0: size of the room we're currently in? What's that? An eighth of the size yes, of the room yes, we're it was currently tiny, in? Oh. Like
1: tiny. Like you couldn't walk into it.
0: That's great. That's hard
1: to visualize. Yeah. Was there a moment? When you decided I mean, see so obviously you stay for more than a month. Yeah. When did you make that decision? Uh that was
2: quite a ways down the road. It was, you know, <coughs> quite a few months after living there was like, all right, I'm gonna probably stay here for a bit. Um Yeah, after a month in Shanghai, um, I had moved to he shipped me off to Beijing. I didn't want to leave Shanghai. Um I really liked it in Shanghai, you know, I had some, I made friends there, and, like, I was just starting to get comfortable, and, uh, I, you know, I liked the bar, and he's like, I need you to go to Beijing, so I went to Beijing, and I didn't really like Beijing, it was really cold when I went there, and, although at first, uh, he had a apartment in Beijing, he owned, like, a condo, and he didn't live in Beijing, so I was put up in his condo, which was this super fucking posh condo. And it was a one-bedroom condo. It had a really nice bathtub, like a beautiful western kitchen, a nice view. It was like a million-dollar condo, and it had a nice pool in the basement. So I felt like I was balling there. (laughs) Um, And then he shipped me off to Xiamen, where I lived in a spa.
0: What? Yeah. It's not nice.
2: (laughs) It was a nice spa, but like there were communal sleeping areas. So I slept... With about 40 other people.
0: What? 40? Oh my god. Well,
2: depending on, I think the room, I'm trying to envision the room, it was so long ago, but maybe like 40 to 60 people in this spa. And it was like you would sleep on like a couch this size, like smaller than a single bed. It was really comfortable, but it was just a strange situation.
0: Is this foreigners or all Chinese?
2: No, I was the only. Born, I was the only yeah. I was the only white guy there. Uh, it was the only non-Chinese person there, and it was a naked spa too. <laughs> you know, like one of those spas where you're just completely naked all the time.
0: Do people sleep communally? Completely no, naked? no, because
2: you sleep communally with women as well. Uh huh. So it's just a big communal sleeping area where there's women and men. Um, but yeah, the spa part where there's pools. This was a giant place. Like there was like like 500 people in there. Yeah, I was the only white guy, and I'm covered in tattoos, um, so I'm just getting stared at. It was very uncomfortable, but yeah, I got used to it. It was an Asian spa as well. Like, uh, I feel like if I was in an African spa, you know, I might be a little bit intimidated.
0: Uh-huh.
2: At an Asian, I don't know, at the Chinese spa. Like, hey,
0: what's going on? He's he's thrusting dramatically. <laughs>
2: Uh, that was an experience um, and then I had traveled to a few different cities you know stayed in hotels and then I went back to Beijing to uh, consult at the restaurant there and I had made some friends in Beijing so I told them like oh I want to stay in Beijing like can I just stay here and just stay at this restaurant I really like it here and like I'm open at this point I had been there for about three months where I was only supposed to be there for one month mm-hmm. and I told them you know I, I want to stay here longer it's, uh, yeah. so he was like yeah no problem you can stay in Beijing and then I started getting a lot of different jobs in Beijing, doing random stuff.
0: Such as?
2: Oh, God. So many jobs. They're called white-face jobs in China. Have you ever heard of this? No. No? So there's so few white people in China that to have a white person working for you kind of brings prestige to your company, and it brings like the valuation of your company up. Uh-huh. So this works really well with restaurants, where people will go to a restaurant, like and they see... You know, either a Caucasian bartender, a chef, and they're like, "Whoa, fancy place," <laughs> you know. So it's all a face thing. Then um, that—that's the reason why he had Meaning, wanted like, me you're to not be a bartender doing? that can't even speak Chinese. Mm-hmm. Go to China, because I was very confused. I'm like, "Why the fuck would you want me to go to China and work at your bar and pay me more than you're paying these employees?" And you know, I'm a consultant, and it's like. I can't really consult that well when I can't communicate with anybody or do anything. But, you know, my main job was just to be a white guy. And, like, when I'm working at the bar... (laughs)
0: You're doing great.
2: I didn't even really make that many drinks. I would make drinks, and most of the time I would go and drink with customers. So, like, we would have live streamers come in. Live streaming is really big in China. And I would just go drink with the live streamers. Or he would have business people come in. I would go drink with them. So I was more of, like, a host, per se. Yeah. Where it's like, just go socialize with the customers, make them spend more money, make them feel welcome. And at what point did you
0: learn Chinese?
2: Um, Probably, so after living with Martin, I was getting pretty good. That was my first month there. And then when I was in Beijing, quite a bit, because all the the restaurant places, nobody spoke a word of English. So if I wanted to speak with them at all... And I really liked all the people I worked with. You know, they were young people just like me. And, you know, they wanted to talk to me. i like, I want to talk to them too. So, yeah, I started talking to them quite a bit. and um, I was You language were just picking it home. up? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you're in a Chinese environment all the time, it's really easy it's not like thailand like in thailand i don't know a word of thai you know i know yeah you know like
0: five words of thai yeah Yeah, that's it it's like the three
2: um but in thailand like or in china nobody's speaking english you know Uh, nobody at a store i've never met a taxi driver that can speak english in china not even like a word like hello that's it so yeah that was tough but uh, yeah, I started doing that. And then in Beijing, after about uh, three months in Beijing, my boss had told me, he's like, all right, I'm selling the condo. He's like, you're going to have to go live with the guys. And I'm like, what? where do they live? So the guys lived in, like the restaurant employees, they all live together. That's like really common in China where the employees at a place will all live together. Oh, wow. Especially at, you know, low-end service jobs because... All of these guys, they weren't from Beijing. If you're from Beijing, if you're born in Beijing, you're not working at a restaurant. You know, those people are usually quite wealthy, and they go to college, and they come out, and they have yeah, restaurants. It's kind of a very low end job. Um, so all of the service employees were from villages in China, and he would go to these villages and find these employees, bring them to China, and they made their their salary was. About three hundred US a month and then they would get the free living. So which was not too much. I know. have no
0: idea what what's cost of living like in Beijing. It's pretty high. It's yeah. a lot
2: higher than here, yeah. So can't do much on that. Um, yeah. I mean I was getting a decent amount more than that, but even still I wasn't making that much money. But I really like doing it and yeah, I had a free place to stay until I started living with the guys so they had there were 12 of them and they lived in a two bedroom apartment oh my god with the bunk
1: beds all over the fucking place holy shit what was your your reaction when you walked in and was like oh fuck well you know I'm coming from this posh ass apartment
2: (laughs) and uh, oh god I still remember it um (laughs) Yeah, they uh, he told me, he's like, yeah, bring your suitcase and just pack up. Like, You're going to have to go in with the guys today. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I kind of like it here. <laughs> um, so I brought my suitcase to the restaurant that day. And like later that night after the restaurant closed, he's like, all right, Mr. Lee's going to drive me in the truck. And it was not a truck. It was this sketchy fucking tuk-tuk thing where I'm in the back. And yeah, they drop me off there and I go up. And I'm like, what the fuck? And they're like, this is your bunk. And there's no mattress. Oh, no. Just like a wooden fucking board. And, like, I thought the hostel I was staying at in Shanghai was bad. But, like, this place was fucking stinky, you know. It just was not pleasant.
0: How long were you there? What did you do?
2: Um, well, right when I got there, I was like, fuck, i to get out of here. But, you know, I was drinking a lot, too, so I really didn't give a fuck. Honestly, <laughs> you know, I was just having a good time. Um, so I wasn't too worried about it. Um, and I really, I liked the employees. And I was like, you know what, it's a good... I tried to see the upside on it I was like you know what this would be a good time for me to practice my Chinese so that's what I did I uh, I kind of did a media block where I stopped reading English I stopped uh, talking on the phone to a lot of people and I just tried to talk with them all the time um, and yeah and my other you know what my other opinion was when I moved in there I was like you know what these guys are from you know some bumfuck village they have no problem living here you know why am I any better than them you know why do I deserve to have a better place? You know, they add more value, in my opinion, to the restaurant than I do. Like, but why am I special? You know, it's kind of ridiculous for me to be in that nice place while they're living in, you know, this place. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I should live with these guys. So, yeah.
0: How uh, long did you do that for?
2: Probably about a month. Um, after a month, I was like, okay, this is enough. I'm fucking. I'm over this place. So after a month, I had found my own apartment. Um, I moved by the Canadian Embassy. And I moved <laughs> just in. to, like,
0: feel close to home? What do you mean? <laughs>
2: yeah, I, no, I just happened to find a place that was, uh, like, right beside the Canadian Embassy. And it was, like, it was a pretty fucking ghetto neighborhood. Um, not that Beijing has a lot of ghetto neighborhoods, but it was pretty run down, this place I was staying in. And I was... Roommates with this uh, Nigerian drug dealer. <laughs> wow. That wasn't the plan moving in. I just went through an agent. and He's like, yeah, I got a room available. And uh, I moved in there. And there's this super friendly Nigerian guy. And I moved in with him. And he was a coke dealer.
0: Did he speak um, English or, Chi- or Chinese?
2: No, he spoke English. He spoke really good English. Um, but he told me his whole life story. Like, he was like a child soldier. He had a whole fucked up past. But... He was this born-again Christian.
1: He's and selling Coke in Beijing. Uh, yeah, he's selling God. Coke in
2: Beijing. And he was the most like he was ridiculously religious. Um, but yeah, he did a lot of coke and he drank and smoked, but yeah, he's very, coke very Jesus. religious. Yeah, and the most ridiculous guy ever. And like some of the things that came out of his mouth. One thing he's like, uh, talk about AIDS, like, yeah, man. AIDS AIDS is just a state of mind. I'm like, what? 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 <laughs> like, what does that mean? Oh. Yeah. Um, I lived with him for two months. Um, I was scared every day that the fucking place is gonna get raided. Uh, but we had done coke together, and he would have his friends over sometimes. I remember his friends hated me; like they wouldn't be in the room with me.
0: Just Why? Because you were white. Yeah.
1: And wheres his where were his friends Nigerian
2: yep, yeah, yeah, his friends were all African Nigerian he was really he loved me, and but you know, I tried to get along with his friends, and you know they wouldn't even be in the same room with me, especially the women yeah, it was very
0: wow,
2: yeah, very racial, so I yeah, that was that um and then I had moved out of there um to I I was kind of in between places. I had gotten this job teaching this English competition for two weeks. So they put me up in this super nice hotel and I told my boss at the restaurant, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to uh, do this English competition. It was sweet, you know, there was free snowboarding, I'm like, I'm gonna be gone for two weeks. And like he just he was not happy about it. Um, so I was there for a week and he had messaged me, he was like I need you to come back right now. I'm like, well, I can't. He's like, all right, well, we're done. Fuck you. What? I'm like, well,
0: dude. And
2: then I was kind of like, okay, well, whatever. Um, But I didn't really have any money. Um, So I was like pretty much flat broke. And I lost my bank card and my credit card. (laughs) Because the fucking machines here swallow your card and I would always be fucking drunk using an ATM and chatty. And I'd be talking to somebody behind me. And it's like,
1: beep, 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 beep. Oh, no.
2: <laughs> oh,
0: that's so, terrible. Yeah, that
2: happened. Um, so, yeah, I was leaving this English competition. And thankfully, I got paid like 1000 bucks when I left there. So, that was enough for me to get an apartment when I got back into Beijing. So, I got another room. And I was living with two people. I was living with a Chinese girl who was a lawyer. And a French guy who was a wine salesman. So, huh. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really have a job. And I was like, fuck, what am I going to do for a job? But it's so easy to find a job in Beijing. Yeah, um, if you're white or in general. yeah. yeah. If, you're, if you're a Caucasian native English speaker. As far as teaching goes, you can find a teaching job really easily. Um, I never really liked teaching. Um, I did some one-on-one teaching and like some like private tutoring Um, but mostly I started doing voiceover work so I found a studio where I went and recorded voiceover
0: for what kind of stuff
2: mostly educational material I did some video games um, but yeah mostly educational stuff so audiobooks um, or just textbooks so I would do that quite a few times a week, and then I had regular tutoring jobs, and then I did a lot of white face jobs, where I would go and travel to some really small village, or I would go sit in a meeting. A big thing was sitting in meetings, um, which, you know, I don't feel so good about it now, where I kind of... You know, it's kind of fraud, where companies will be looking for investors, so they'll have a meeting, and... You know, they'll put you in the meeting, you sit there, and it's like it gives their company face. It's like, we have a foreign employee. So, you know, this (laughs) company's worth money, give us money, invest in our company.
1: How much would you make doing this?
2: It would depend. Um, When I first started doing it, it was really good money. Um, And yeah, it was, it was still like, white people were still a really big commodity in China. And you know, they still really valued American culture. Um, so, this is
0: all past tense
2: Yeah, towards leaving it wasn't a thing Like, like
0: what like, year did it start to turn?
2: Probably the last the last year and a half that I was there It wasn't as big Just doing random whiteface jobs I So
0: mean. like when Trump got elected, is that what you're saying?
2: No, no, no Chinese people actually really liked Trump when he first got elected And even now, so a lot of people, Chinese people still like Trump I don't know why
0: Yeah, I thought that everybody's like, oh, the main good thing that Trump has done is fuck over China. China. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a
2: lot of Chinese people, I don't know, maybe they agree with him. A lot of them like that he was a billionaire. And because they kind of like that, they, you know, maybe it's the Asian culture thing where they aspire to that, you know. And that's, I think it's the fact that he's lived the ultimate American dream. In a lot, in people's minds, you know, not in my mind by any means, mm-hmm. but, you know, that's what a lot of immigrants or, you know, people who want to move to the U.S. would think of as the ultimate American dream is to become a billionaire, decide to run for president and win. So
0: so do you know why this shift started happening?
2: Um, I, the big thing was Russians just doing uh-huh. the job. So they kind of lowered the price. And I think just China opened up more and more people were coming there and yeah maybe the media maybe internet access where people just weren't as amazed by you you know like uh when I first got my motorcycle in China I had done a motorcycle trip in uh, northern China and I drove around and at the time I had this you know really big beard and I remember I stopped in a village and I was with my friend and we're just walking around and these people they've never seen like a white person before in their life, and this woman came out running with a baby, and she just hands me her baby. Oh my god! Like, what, what do, do you, you? What do I do yeah. with this? I'm not Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> just a white guy. Um, yeah, you're
0: like a, I mean, you must be particularly spectacular with your giant blue eyes, though. Like
2: now, yeah, maybe that big. was it. Yeah,
1: but. I think that happened to us in Vietnam. Uh-oh. Yeah, I've heard of it happening in Vietnam where people are... It's shocking. We were, yeah. at, we were at a nightclub, and there was a baby there.
0: Oh. I baby. <laughs> like I, it was the loudest nightclub I've ever been to in my was whole life.
1: deafening. I don't know. And, and they just There's came up, and they, they like handed me the baby, and I was like, what? What do like, ah. <laughs> I do with this, you know?
0: But also, we were in, like, I mean, we were in a weird Russian satellite town where they see lots of white people all the time. So, like, I really don't understand what was going on. Like, we were the only foreigners in that club, but it was very odd. Yeah, it was, like,
1: a tourist town. Like, it was, yeah, it was a very odd occurrence.
0: I don't know how much of a tourist town it was, but it was a Russian satellite town for sure. I don't know how many other... uh, Tourists, aren't they? Yeah, they all, like, live... I mean, like, they own more than half the town. That's what I'm saying. Do you guys live in Vietnam? No. We've just visited extensively.
2: What's what I found is there's a lot of Russian communities in Asia. And they actually stick together, whereas, you know, other expats, whether you're from the States or anywhere in Europe or Canada, it's like we kind of all mesh together. You know, you don't really have an American crew. Certainly not an American area. But, you know, Russians, like, in Beijing, there was... Like, uh, you know, the Russian area, where there are Russian
1: restaurants, Russian
2: people, and it was very Russian. You know, the signs were all in Russian, and I'm like, holy shit.
0: We went to a one yeah. Russian one Russian restaurant in Kolbanyang, and, like, I felt a little uncomfortable. <laughs> and, like, everybody else said there was Russian, and uh, the venues were in Russian, and they, like, kind of explained it to us. And they were just like, should we not be here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: I went to a few Russian, there were a few Ru- Russian restaurants And there was one Russian, it was like a kind of a Russian strip club But the girls never got naked because it was Beijing But it was real strange Yeah, real, real strange They put on a show and very Russian like,
0: What is the, I, I only just learned last month About this whole thing of Chinese people don't sleep in the same bed Oh no! You just—he just made a very shocked face because there was all of these. We were looking at all. We originally were in a, like Chinese-owned house or Chinese hotel thing, and then we looked at a bunch of other Chinese houses, and they all had two beds in the bedrooms. And uh, somebody like told us that yeah, that it's that because couples don't sleep in the same bed.
1: I've never heard of
0: that. All right. Well.
1: Maybe. i well, to fact check. Yeah. It yeah. could be utter bullshit. It could I just be know. that he's I retrofitted... Mean, yeah,
2: uh, I'm intrigued. Yeah. yeah. That sounds really interesting.
0: Well, so what's the thing, like, why in Beijing do the strippers never get naked?
2: Oh, well, just because it's Beijing. It's not Thailand. Like, it's very conservative, you know. Uh-huh. Where even in Beijing, it was really hard to get a prostitute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not that I was looking for a prostitute, but... Um, I'll I'll give you an example, like in Shanghai when I lived there, there was one um, district that you would drive down, and during the day, it was hairdressers, and it was like barber shops, like all down this one street, and at night, they would just flick on red lights, and they just put women sitting in the barber's chairs, like all of the barber's chairs, and they'd just be like half naked sitting there, and it's Uh like all of these places are brothels that night. I thought it was, it was the wild. coolest thing ever. It's
0: like a speakeasy. <laughs> yeah, it was really interesting. I'm like,
2: so it's just a barbershop during the day. You go get your haircut. And then they just rent it out to these, like, these madams. Um, wow. In Chinese, is- they're called the mama son, the madame.
0: Is prostitution legal?
2: No, no, no. Um, but there are places in China where it's like rampant. Um, but in Beijing, it's like it's the capital, so. There's nothing, and if there is, it's very underground. Especially in recent years, they've really cleaned it up. Where they don't want any of that. Um, drugs as well. Um, when I first moved to China, like when I first moved to Shanghai, I remember leaving Canada, and I was like, "All right, you know, I'm not gonna be able to smoke pot here. I'm not gonna be able to do any of that." And right when I had met Martin, uh, we got into this. We got into the hostel. He's like, "You smoke weed?" I'm like no and he just pulls out like literally like a quarter pound of weed and he's like, "Well, I got a lot of weed and I got some acid." And I'm like, "What the fuck?" And he would walk around Shanghai like he smoked weed all day every day all the time. He would walk around like the Bund in Shanghai, like the busiest part of, you know, the biggest city in the world, smoking a joint. <laughs> And, like, he would bring his quarter pound of weed everywhere he goes. He'd bring it onto the subway, like, yeah. But the police in China, like, nobody knows what it is. Nobody knows the smell of it.
0: Wow. So,
2: like, it's not... Yeah, he's just like, nobody knows what this is.
1: Is that still the case?
2: Uh, Not so much anymore. And, like, before... They used to view drugs as like, this is a foreigner thing. This is a foreign problem. You know, this isn't, this doesn't have anything to do with Chinese people. So like, you know, people would be doing coke in bars, like the foreigner bars, people would be smoking pot, like it wasn't a big deal. And then, then it started to get worse and worse and worse. And then by the time I was leaving there, they had, you know, uh, a lot of the time you'd be at a bar and the police would block off the bar. And you're not leaving the bar until you piss in a cup and you test negative for drugs. Yeah. Jeez. So, yeah, it got intense though. when I was leaving. It was like, don't do drugs in Beijing.
1: This is only Beijing, or is this all of China? No, this
2: is all of China. Well, you know Tom, obviously.
1: Where was Tom? I, don't know, where was I guess not he Beijing. He was in like
2: southern China. Wow. But, yeah, it was happening all over China. So.
0: Tom will be on a future episode of Occasionally Interesting. Yeah. I get to hear his story of going story. to prison.
2: He's got stories, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, thankfully I never got, uh, yeah, never got caught for drugs. <laughs> I might not have been here. Uh, know, but bad. they were available. Um, like the way you would get drugs a lot of the time. Like I said, like I, I lived with a Nigerian coke dealer. And that's who the drug dealers were. They were either Nigerian or Russian. And they would only sell to foreigners. They would never sell to Chinese people. If you had a Chinese person with you and you went to buy drugs, they would walk away from you.
0: Wow. That's so, smart.
2: That's, yeah, that's just basically how they didn't get caught. Um, and they, they do get caught, like the Nigerians. I think China executes a ridiculous amount of Nigerians every single year. But, you know, it's a big risk for them. But, like, the guy who, who I lived with, you know, like, I don't, he's like, I don't have anything in my country. No. like I don't want to be doing this but
1: I feel like we've heard this about other countries as well in Nigerians like this is not China specific
2: no no Nigerians are very big uh, yeah coke dealers I guess um, I know in was it Hong Kong we got coke from a Nigerian guy every time we went there um, fuck I remember the first time we got coke off this Nigerian guy um we go up into this guy's apartment and it's like just a bunch of Nigerians and super intimidating. And it's me and my buddy and uh, he's like, yeah, we'll get a gram. Uh, how much? And the guy's like, well, how much you got? And my friend's like, well, how much is it? He's like, how much you got?
1: And I'm like, oh shit, what the fuck? Uh, how much I forget. I forget. <laughs> <what>? <laughs> he ended up
2: telling us a price. And, yeah, it wasn't too much.
0: So it's how you forayed from um, voiceovers for educational stuff to when did you become like a TV star? <laughs> um,
2: so I started doing um, some kind of like um, really low-end productions for a few companies like green screen uh, teaching and like these kind of TV shows weren't really a thing at the time like nobody was doing it um and then one company that I had worked for started, you know, doing it. Um, they started doing the green screen thing. And it was a really low-end thing. It was just a small company. And they just kinda had like a green sheet in the hallway. And they just kind of picked images off Google Images and it was really, really shitty. And I got paid like like twenty US dollars an hour for going in there, which is really low for Beijing. Um, but I, I liked it and I was like I, I thought every single week I was like okay this place is going under this is the last week that I'm going to be doing this um, but eventually yeah they just kept on upgrading kept on getting bigger and bigger and bigger and then you know they uh, yeah they cut more and more investments now they're a billion dollar company yeah, wow. yeah the green screen thing kind of took off and with COVID it took off even more like you got Really big, cause yeah, online teaching got big, and they already had a big platform for online teaching. Um, but I know I worked for about six different companies doing um, like online teaching videos, where I would just go onto a green screen, read a script, and yeah. Not that bad gig. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. I mean, I still do it, but.
0: And what was it like going from being a like regular, exciting-looking white person to being a, a TV star, like a famous white person in China?
2: Um, it was well, it never happened all at once. You know, it was it was slowly and slowly and slowly. Like when I first started doing that, like nobody watched that show. Um, then, but I did work for another show. And they had gotten... They already had a little bit of an audience. And I started there. That's where I got well-known was on that show. Um, and I had worked for another show. And yeah, I got well-known on there. And then, you know, the show I started at, they started taking off. And I would start to, yeah, would start to get recognized. Um, mostly by you know, English teachers that I knew, you know, Chinese English teachers. That was, that was where I first started. You know, people would message me on WeChat and they're like, they'd send me my videos. and like, oh my God, I saw you. <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit, that's cool. Random people are seeing me. Um, and then, yeah, people would recognize me at restaurants. And then like dating apps. And I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> and then it was, yeah. And then it was like in the subway, And then it was like, I don't want to go to a mall or there's a place where there's a large amount of children around.
1: Wow.
2: Yeah, or I'd wear a hat going places. I didn't really like it. Like, I didn't like, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't think I would like that. No, I don't
2: like people knowing my business. I don't like people like it.
0: Yeah. You talk about how you're going to be a famous star. He decided like three years ago that uh, he's, he's, he's going to Hollywood and he's making it big. There you go. But now you. But not I if mean, it
1: includes. Don't get me wrong, I would take it. Mm-hmm. Like, given the choice between being rich and famous and not rich and famous, I think I would choose rich and famous. Mm-hmm. But if the third option was just rich, I've got it. it's fine. Would be cool.
0: the <laughs> fourth option was just famous, would you choose famous? No. So it's well, only if it comes with the, the rich. Yeah, like... I don't know. That's what most people want today. It's like the whole Instagram that sounds model, terrible. fame, fame for fame's sake.
2: Yeah, you know. I don't think I would want. I yeah, I wouldn't want anybody to know. You know, my business. I I got paranoid. Like you know, when I was there towards the end, like fuck. You know, I don't want people to know. Yeah, I I just don't want people to know about me. Yeah, I feel like I'm kind of a private person you know i don't like people knowing my business so. yeah
1: yeah um especially if you're up to shenanigans yeah well that's the other thing it's like <laughs> a,
2: i'm not a saint and you know i'm working on a kid's show it's like yeah, yeah. so that was a big thing um, the other thing too is like my ego is like it inflates your ego a lot
0: to be famous well the what big thing was know? my
2: company Like, you know, we had a lot of people in the office, you know, we had a giant kind of office and, you know, I walk around the office and like, I was the big shot in the office, you know, like everybody knew who I was. Every single person in that office knew who I was and it inflates your ego quite a bit. And it's, uh, that was one thing that I, like, I liked that, you know. I like being able to I like walking into a room and people are like oh. <laughs> wow. Where I worked, you know. I, th- maybe it wasn't being fake it was being the big shot, you know, in the office. That was that was a cool thing for me, you know. I'm the most important person here, motherfucker. <laughs> you yeah. know. Yeah. There's a bit of like imposter syndrome too, like to a sense where it's like, I'm fucking, you know. I'm a bartender. I'm <laughs> <Become> nobody <laughs> special, you know. Like, there's absolutely no reason <laughs> to be uh, mm. excited by me. Yeah.
1: You can I turn the air back on? Yeah.
0: Um, what are some things that you didn't know would be... Um, I don't know how to word this. Some things you didn't know were... Cultural to Canada or the West or whatever that you from going to China learned that these are not universal ideas or concept or, or ways of being or. I don't know.
2: Mm, that's a good one. Um, line up is a big one.
0: They don't they don't queue in the China. What they don't queue. That's fucking crazy. Um,
2: if you're in like if, yeah like if I'm in a convenience store if I'm in the grocery store if I leave any space in between me and the person ahead of me. Somebody's just gonna cut right in line. Well, they're gonna go right ahead of you. They're like, hey, "That person's not going. Uh, <laughs> Trevor's
0: making such an intense face right now. <laughs> the
2: subway people don't uh, wait until you get out before they start going in. So, Sounds like so
0: they're just never. rude. <laughs> it's like the opposite of Tokyo. Uh,
2: uh, people drive on the sidewalks. Wow um, But you know, a bit of
1: that here in Thailand.
2: Oh, not, not at all, like, to this extent, yeah, um, but the thing is, like, you think, like, when I first got there, I'm like, you know what, this is so annoying, this is so rude, like, for an example, like, I'm walking on the sidewalk, and somebody is in a motorcycle, and they're beeping at me to get out of their way, I'm like, I'm walking on the fucking sidewalk, like, you're in a motorcycle, like, why are you on the sidewalk? <laughs> But, you know, fast forward to a year, I've got a motorcycle, I'm late for work, the fucking the street's packed with traffic, like, there's room on the sidewalk, these people can move out of the way, so it's just, like, the thing to do, everybody does it, so you just go on the sidewalk and beep at people to get out of your way.
1: It makes sense. Yeah.
2: On the subway, too, if you don't, if you wait for people to get off, you're never getting on, (laughs) like, you know, you gotta push your way onto there. A lot of the time it's so full that you've really got to push. Like sometimes you've got to push yourself into the door and hope that you can fit while it closes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Sounds very stressful.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's a, um, the communist thing, too, that was kind of uh, different for me. The patriotism kind of. You know, where in Canada we're not really, we're not patriotic for the most
1: sense, you know. Is it authentic in China? Like people are authentically yeah. patriotic. Yeah, yeah, they
0: How does this manifest? What do they do?
2: They're just very proud of their country. They're very. Are they proud like openly the
0: talking about it a lot, or? Well, the
2: other thing too is you know Chinese. It's not just um, it's not just a nationality. It's their race as well, you know. Where they kind of put those two together, where it's like you're Chinese and you're Chinese, you know. Yeah where yeah that's a big thing Um, so they're very you feel like an outsider there like I'll never be Chinese you know I can never be Chinese I can be American I can be French I can be Australian Um, I guess it would be the same in Thailand where you know you'll never be Thai but more so in China where you know you're always going to be referred to as Laoai you know no matter how long you're there for, you know, I know a guy that, who's been there for 30 years. He's got a Chinese green card, speaks fluent Chinese. He's got a wife there, and he's like, "Yeah, but I'll never be Chinese." Yeah. Um, so that was a big culture shock for me. Um, yeah, that was the propaganda too. And there was a lot of propaganda, especially when I started when I left there. It had gotten more and more.
1: Can you give us an example?
2: Uh, like, you know, where you might have seen a beer advertisement before, there's a communist slogan.
1: Mm.
2: So, it, it, it started to come back a lot. Uh, the state media, it was getting worse and worse for kind of pushing nationalism. That was, that's big, yeah, nationalism and, um, propaganda had gotten really big. Uh,
0: what's the deal with the chinese internet were you really not as a, were you able to access
2: yeah you can have a vpn and you can pretty much access anything you want uh, and even still like uh, a lot of the companies in beijing um, have built in vpns so you know there's state run vpns which you need to be careful on <laughs> cuz you know you can access anything but
0: they like, can track you
2: somebody's probably looking at that where i'd be at work and i'd be like Oh shit! I gotta be careful here. I don't know who the fuck's watching this. <laughs> like, yeah, you gotta be real careful when you're on the state run VPNs. I didn't realize it until uh, my friend, who's a lawyer, he's got a VPN in his um, office as well because he's at an international law firm. And we we, we had a conversation about it. And he's like, yeah, we've got one in the office. He's like, a lot of the time, I'll still connect to my VPN though. He's like, and I'm always careful what I'm looking at. You know, I'm like. Oh shit! Yeah, that's a state-run VPN. Um, but yeah, you can get on anything that you want to get on. I didn't really find it that big of a hassle, to be honest. Huh. It was yeah. But most Chinese people don't have a VPN, or if they do, they don't have use for a VPN because you know, especially if you can't speak English, what are you going to do? The internet isn't English, and China has its own internet. Like right. they have their own social media. They have their own everything, and it's all in Chinese. So, yeah, nobody really wants to use Facebook. Nobody wants, like, there's no want to use any of these apps, really. Yeah. Yeah. But that's another reason why, like, when you come to Thailand, when you go to a lot of other countries in the world, people can speak English. People understand English culture. Whereas in mainland China, it's like... Nobody can access that. That's why they're so amazed by white people, by so amazed by your culture. They want to learn about you. Like, they're so curious about you because they don't really have access to a whole lot.
1: They have access to, like, Hollywood movies and stuff, though, right? Certain ones, yeah. Select ones. Select ones, yeah. I read an article a while back that said that one of the reasons why all shit coming out of Hollywood sucks nowadays is because of China. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Did you see the South Park episode that they had made? Uh, no. It's like banned in China where they just ripped on China. You <laughs> should check it out. But I'm guessing
1: South Park's not allowed.
2: Yeah, even... I, I watched a YouTube video and it was like things you might not realize in popular movies and they were showing um, product placement of Chinese products in Hollywood movies and it's like you've never seen these products. They don't even sell these products in the West and you'll see them pop up in movies... Uh, where it's like chindao beer it's like never even heard of that beer but it's a super popular beer in China and it was in the Hollywood movie it's like you wouldn't have even have caught it with your eye and you're like whoa what the hell what? and yeah it's quite a bit um, where you know buses will have Chinese advertisements and movies when they're in New York in the setting and it's like shit so
1: I'll um, look out for that now
2: but yeah that's a big thing is people like companies if you're making a movie you want to make a movie that doesn't piss off the communist government because if your movie doesn't get into China, then you're not going to make as much money. Um, the same thing happened with the NBA. like You know that whole thing, right?
0: Uh, I don't. No. Please elaborate. I think it was a coach. Was it a coach?
2: Or Somebody had said something in support of the Hong Kong protests, and it just went crazy on state-run media, and they were going to stop broadcasting the games for this one NHL team, or sorry, NBA team, and yeah, it was a big deal, because it was like, that's where, I don't know if it was a, I don't see it, yeah, I don't want to be quoted on that, because I know something or other.
1: But to be honest with you, I didn't really fully understand what that was all about till right now. I've been sort of off the news oh, for yeah. the most part, but I was on Reddit, so I would catch things. Um, and yeah. I was kind of confused, like, who gives a shit? But well, that makes a whole lot more sense now. Yeah. Well, watch. it's like, yeah. Realized, I wouldn't think game. the Chinese would watch the NBA. <laughs> <That's> no, basketball's
2: <laughs> huge there. That's, like, one of the biggest sports that they watch.
1: That seems shocking to me. Yeah.
0: That seems
2: very weird. It's not as bad as, like, North Korea.
0: Well, that's a really fucking low bar.
1: (laughs) It (laughs) was as bad as the the Holocaust. Yeah. So why did you eventually leave?
2: Um, I was really scared about getting arrested. For drugs? No, um, for tax evasion. Yeah. Tax evasion was a big one, and just the fact that I was Canadian, like, you know, my last, um, and I wasn't on a legal work visa my last, like, while in China. Um, and I was working so many different jobs. It wasn't like I was not trying to pay taxes, but, you know, it's the same as Thailand or most countries where you're only supposed to be working for one company and only that company. Um, and that's really hard to do as an actor. So
1: so what made you... Like, do they do they arrest people for tax evasion? And
2: They were starting to, yeah, they were starting to... Like, you
1: fam- Like, I mean, it's different... Well, that was weird. the other
2: thing, too. I was getting nervous. You know, I've done visa runs, and it's like... One time, the person, the security person, recognized me. It was like one of my Douyin videos, like my TikTok videos. It just went viral and it got really popular. It's just like,
0: ah, Douyin, Douyin. Like, what is Douyin?
2: It's TikTok. It's Uh-oh. just the Chinese name for TikTok. What was um, this,
0: about? what were you doing on this video? I don't
2: remember. I think I was pretending to listen to somebody else and translate what they were saying.
0: Um, I think it
2: was that one but yeah like once in a while that was the other thing like a Douyin video would go popular but yeah so that started happening like I was so nervous doing visa runs my last visa run to China I went to North Korea for a visa run because I was so scared to
1: uh,
2: (gasps) (laughs) Uh, but you know the CFO of Huawei had got arrested in China in Canada did you hear of that yeah I think you might have told us. Yeah, and they had arrested two Canadians in China. So I was really kind of getting nervous. And I was like, shit, like... And the thing is, everybody breaks the law in China because it's really hard to follow the law there. They make the law, like, for everybody to break. Everybody is breaking the law so that they can come at you at any time they want. Mm -hmm. Um so, yeah, like, my last uh, visa run in China, I was really nervous because a lot of people I know that were Canadian that weren't on proper visas were getting stopped, were getting questioned, and weren't getting let in, were getting turned back. So your back. solution
0: was to go to North Korea? Well, I had a
2: friend who uh, was a North Korean tour guide, and he's like, dude, why don't you just go to North Korea? And I was like, I don't fucking know about that. And he was like, no, like, you know, they're not going to keep you in North Korea. It's like, fuck, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> it's like, they can't keep me, they can't be like... No, you can't come back into Beijing. You have to stay in North Korea. This
1: plan seems deep flawed. <laughs> <there>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I guess they could. Then you'd be stuck in North fucking Korea. So yeah,
2: I went to North Korea. That was an uh, experience.
0: Did uh, pass the demilitarized zone?
2: No. Um, oh, North Korea was fucked. Um, I went with a uh, tour group.
0: Like and into proper North Korea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Into North. Korea. Are there really no trees? No, no. There were
2: Like we took a six hour So I started I went from Beijing I took the train to Dandong Which is a Chinese border town And everybody on the Chinese border Like of North Korea Is Korean Chinese And so I traveled a bit Like up through there Which is really cool They're all Chinese people They identify as Chinese They're still very nationalistic but They all speak Korean Everything's in Korean. It's one of like the uh, autonomous zones in China, where, Mm. or sorry, not an autonomous zone, but um, something or other. Where, yeah, it's it's a recognized ethnicity. Um, So I had went there, um, and then, yeah, I got on a train from Dandong and went to Pyongyang, and I was there for three days, and then I went back to. China. Um,
1: What was it like?
2: Boring. Um, Yeah, really boring. Uh, It was interesting, though, because there are so many Chinese tourists that go to North Korea. All of the North Korean people that were part of the tour, none of them could speak English because not a lot of people go to North Korea. Uh, But they could all speak Chinese. So, you know, I was able to chat with them quite a bit. I could chat with all the waitresses and the bartender. I chatted with her. Wait, Um, what?
0: There's alcohol in North Korea?
2: Oh, God, yeah, we got... I was fucking hammered the entire time I was in North Korea. So I had got on... I went through customs going through um, Dandong, and, like, they had the duty-free shop, and it was, like, two fucking big 40s of Jack Daniels, you know, a carton of smokes. and that fucking terrifying. I could smoke on the train. Uh, but the thing that was scary was the tour group that I went with. Because you got to think, who the fuck goes to North Korea? you got to be a little bit fucked in the head if you want to go to North Korea.
0: So You, you wanted to go to North Korea? I didn't
2: want to go. I had to do a visa run. I would have preferred to go to just Thailand, Bangkok, and party there. I'm, I'm quite tame. Like, I don't really need that. Um, but the tour group, all of these people, they never lived in China. It's a bit of a hassle to get to China, get a visa for China, like, just to go to North Korea. That's what all of these people did, so...
0: Wait, what? These people aren't from China, are you're saying?
2: No, the people in my tour group were all... I went on a foreign tour group, which I regret. I should have went on the Chinese tour group. Oh, yeah. Which originally I was going to do. I was like, no, you know what? I'll go on the foreign tour group.
0: So, are there the foreigners from all over the place?
2: Everywhere except for the U.S. So, there was... We're
0: not allowed in anymore, right?
2: No, you know. But there's one girl, and she's the fucking craziest girl. She was a Brazilian model who's got um, a U.S. green card. And... uh, yeah she had went there her claim to fame was she got beat up by Chris Brown and there was a big lawsuit and scandal between them and she was an Instagram influencer I say was I think she is (laughs) Um, but she was just fucking crazy a lot of these people just wanted pictures of them doing the most ridiculous things in North Korea and I gotta like give the North Koreans credit they're very tame these people would've got kicked out of Disney World they were just fucking behaving like children like, I remember, and like, I like to party. I like to have a good time. I like to get drunk. But, like, you know, I know my place, and I know I'm in North fucking Korea. It's like, don't fuck around. Just chill. But, like, you know, we get on the train, and, like, right away, we're all sitting on the train, and the Brazilian girl comes back. She's got a fucking North Korean soldier's hat. She's like, look what I found! I'm like, put it
1: back. Like, put that back. Put that back, please. Um, did, did I find this terrifying? oh god yeah, I, yeah. I mean, like, so I'm that so
0: tense though. <laughs> oh, but I
2: was you know I was really drunk the whole time and honestly it wasn't that you know you gotta look at it like um, statistically you have a better chance of something happening to you in um, Thailand you know something bad happening to you that was how I was convinced to go it's like well you know look at the statistics you know a few people got arrested and, you know one guy died it's like uh. <laughs> I don't know, um, but yeah. So we went to the hotel. We stayed in Pyongyang for three nights and just drank. Um, there's nothing to really talk about in North Korea. It's just boring. Was the hotel
1: nice? Yeah, it
2: was a really nice hotel. Yeah, I um, I spent most of my time in the hotel where you know they went out to like do some Kim tours at nights, and I just wanted to do my bees run, so I sat at the bar and I didn't want to get in trouble, so I just sat at the bar drank and. I did I had because I you have to have a North Korean guide with you at all times oh wow you know so like at the hotel the group would go out and I'm like fuck I don't want to go so there's one I I have my handler stay with me and I really liked the guy he spoke like fluent English he was really up-to-date on pop culture and he loved to chat like he didn't mind talking politics either wow yeah we had full-on conversations um, See, even
1: that would have made me fucking nervous. Yeah.
2: No, no, he was very open to it. You know, I tested the waters. I, did, I wasn't disrespectful at all, but, you know, I asked him his opinion, you know, what what do you think about this? What do you think about this? You know, and he seemed very informed, you know, I mean, he was a North Korean tour guide for English speaking people. So obviously he's pretty high up there. Um
1: I would assume that he was planted there by fucking Kim Jong-un. Well, or that's, you know, like I
2: mean, I was careful what I was saying. But at the same time, you know, yeah, they didn't really know who I was. But, well, that's where I got in trouble. So I got detained leaving North Korea. Um, <laughs> the rest of the group had went to the DMZ. Um, but I had already been there in South Korea. I was like, well, I already fucking saw the DMZ from the good side. Like, well, uh, I'm going to see it over here. Like, Yeah. So I went back to China. And the other person who went back to China was the fucking crazy Brazilian model. So it's just me and her on the train, and it's all Chinese people on this train back into uh, China. And our North Korean tour guide and our Chinese tour guide, who spoke Korean, she was like, all right, you guys are probably just good to go by yourselves. She's like, you know, just please help her if she needs anything. Like, yeah, like... uh, the tour guide will bring you to the train station. You guys get on the train you'll be good. And we got on the train and I'm like chatting with the Chinese guys across from me on the train. And you know, it's a long train ride, just smoking. You can smoke on the train anywhere. Just smoking and fucking getting pissed drunk on the train the whole way. And we got back into uh, China, like we got back um, on the North Korean border to China. And a North Korean soldier is going to the train, he's going to every single, like, uh, cart and he's asking everybody for their passports. And he stops at our cart and he's like, to the Chinese people, he's like, why are these foreigners, like, what are these guys doing, where are these people on the train? And they're like, well, I don't know. I'm like, he can speak Chinese, why don't you ask him? And then um, that was, like, the worst, and I was like, oh, for fuck's sakes. And then he's like, so what are you guys doing here? And I'm like, I don't know. They sent us onto the train. He's like, well, like, I don't have you on here. Like, are you part of this tour group? And I'm like, no, everybody else had went to the DMZ and they told us to go onto this train to come back to China. So he took our passports and then he left. And then, like, I'm sitting with her and I'm like, they don't know who the fuck we are. Like, they don't have record of us supposed to be on this train and it was just all around confusion then somebody else had come onto the train told us to get off the train brought us to this room so we're sitting together and then um yeah they're like uh what do you do for a living I'm like uh, I'm an actor and they're like what does she do for a living and uh I'm like what do you do for a living she's like oh I'm a lawyer I'm like uh she's a lawyer you're a fucking lawyer <laughs> um <laughs> And then, uh, well, the big thing was they had a problem with me being an actor. And then I'm trying to explain my job to them, which I can do pretty well because I have to explain my job to people in Chinese quite a bit, but they still couldn't understand just because I don't think they understand what a green screen is like. And I told them I work in China as an actor, and then she had some pictures on her phone too that were
0: her being a lawyer? <laughs>
2: no the, of oh. her in North Korea being inappropriate that oh, they weren't really having oh, oh shit so you know and the other thing was they they couldn't understand that we weren't together they thought like we were together and like I kept on telling them like I told them like in Chinese <laughs> tabu like this basically means like it's like the worst way of saying I don't fucking know this person like I don't have anything to do with this person like I don't know this person. Um, but they weren't, like, they are like, no, you guys are together. There's two foreigners on this train, <laughs> you and her. You guys were sitting together, you guys are together. And I'm like, for fuck's sakes. So this went on and on, and we were there for quite a while. And, like, our train had went. And another train came in, and there was a Chinese guy, like, a Chinese, um, Chinese guy on the train who spoke fluent Korean, fluent Chinese, and fluent English, and uh, they brought him in, and he knew who I was, so, like, right away, it was, like, fucking thank God.
1: (laughs) See, it pays to be famous sometimes. Yeah,
2: so, yeah, he knew the show that I was on, like, he knew who I was, and he explained my job to them, and then, the big thing was, like, they were worried that I wasn't, like I kept on telling them I'm an actor in China I shouldn't have said I was an actor at all but yeah on my application to get into North Korea I put actor too
0: why shouldn't you have said you were an actor?
2: Um, I think if I was an actor in the States you know or in Canada I could go and talk about North Korea you know where they don't really yeah just any I don't know any high profile person Right. Mm. you know they want to feel like well what the fuck are you doing here? You know, what are you going to say? You know, what did you see? Like, you know, what are you... you Hmm. So, yeah, there's actually, there's a TMZ article about uh, what happened. I think it's TMZ. There's a few articles on the internet about the girl
1: getting almost arrested.
0: What, in North Korea? Yeah. Oh,
1: because she's... Because she got beat up by Chris Brown?
2: Um, I think she's famous for a few other reasons. I don't know. Well, she does shock things. Like that was one reason she went to North Korea was to get fucking nudes of her in North Korea and her doing like fucking viral shit. Like oh, look at like I guess she had went to Dubai and wore a bikini on the beach, like a fucking tiny bikini. Oh, so yeah. it was like well, that's what you had to deal with when you went to North Korea. And the Canadian guy, he was the fucking worst. There was one Canadian guy in the tour, and the whole time wanted we to punch this guy in the face. We went and did, like, a tour around Pyongyang, and he wore a fucking banana suit. Like, a banana suit. It's like, dude, wh- why are you wearing a banana suit? Like, you know, you're just fucking embarrassing yourself. It's kind of disrespectful. Like, you're...
0: It's certainly not funny. funny. No, it's like, you know, they're
2: trying to give us a nice tour. They're very respectful to us, you know. Why are you going to fucking wear a banana suit? But the best part was... We're at this intersection, and they're, you know, showing us this shop, and they have people directing traffic, because they don't really have traffic lights, and there's not that much traffic, and there's this police motorcycle on the side of the road, and this fucking retard, he goes to somebody, and he hands them his, like, camera, he's like, oh, take a picture of me, and he goes and tries to climb on this motorcycle, and this, like, cop directing traffic fucking looks over, runs, grabs him, fucking throws him on the ground. (laughs) He's in a fucking banana suit, and I'm just sitting there like, labor camp. labor camp, labor camp, labor camp. Oh, God. I was fucking, like, I was, I literally had my fingers crossed. If anybody deserved it, that fucking douche did. I hated that guy so much. Um, but, yeah. It was mostly our tour group. There were multiple fights. People got in physical fights on the tour. What the fuck? Do you just gotta think of, like, think of the craziest fucking people you know. And put them all in a fucking train in a hotel together. It's like,
0: and send them to North Korea. And send
2: them to North Korea. It's it's like, a great, Jesus great reality show. Fucking Christ. <laughs> yeah, but I got out.
0: <laughs> so then, so then, that was your last ever visa run out of China.
2: China, I had two months left, and I had already come to uh, Thailand to move some of my stuff.
0: How did you pick Thailand?
2: Uh, I'd come to Chiang Mai before, and I really liked it, um, and I was looking at the cost of living. I know a lot of people work here remotely, and you know, I wanted to build a studio, it's cheap, so. Yeah, um, and I like motorcycles, so, you know, I like riding, and there's so many mountains here. There's a lot of places to ride, a lot of places to go.
1: Have you done the man's loop? Yeah, yeah, I did that when I first got here, um,
2: but I'd like to do a longer, a longer trip. I want to get a bigger bike. I've got a 200 and I've got a 125, but I really want to get, like, a nice 500 Cruiser. I don't think I want anything bigger than 500.
1: 500's pretty darn big, isn't it?
2: 500's big, yeah. I mean, in Canada, 500's small, you know?
1: Oh, really? Yeah.
2: Wait, I mean, in the what's States, like Canada, race like... What's, a ready Like, you know, like, you can't drive on, like, the I-75, um, on a 125 can't even get over 100 kilometers an hour it's like dangerous that's true and like even on a 500 you can get up pretty quick but you almost want something that's bigger heavier yeah but here
1: you know the highways stop getting ideas you don't want to go People, 250 back in the states you had a 250 yeah it was a scooter though oh okay it's a beautiful machine that That one yes I drove it year-round in a uh, northeast of the United States through winter. Oh shit. The 30-minute drive to work, it's the coldest I've ever been in my life.
2: Dude, I had, a, well, I had a motorcycle in Beijing and I drove it all through the winter and like the first time I started driving it in the winter, I wasn't wearing pants. What? Like, I mean, I was wearing pants, sorry. I wasn't wearing, like, you know, like, uh, snow pants, like, motorcycle-specific like specific pants for that. And I remember one time... My drive, like, to work wasn't bad because it was daytime, but, like, at night, like, when I had left... One time I left at, like, 8 o'clock. I was there late. And my drive home was 45 minutes drive home on the highway. And it had dropped to, like zero degrees where it was you know but on a motorcycle that's fucking cold and I had like a good jacket on I had decent gloves on I had my helmet on but just my knees I got off and I just braved it the whole way I got off the motorcycle and literally just fucking (laughs) fell to the ground and like I couldn't walk I literally couldn't walk my knees were frozen so I just kind of sat there for a while like (laughs) sitting on the ground struggling you know, people tried Aww. to help me, I'm
1: like, no, just- <laughs> no, I just got frozen Get knees. Get the blood blowing. Uh. Yeah.
0: Uh. But yeah,
2: I moved to Thailand, um, and I've been here for a year. I would love it here. Um, it's easy, it's cheap to live, and the good thing I find about Chiang Mai is you can afford to take risks. You know, if I were to live in Canada, the States, anywhere, just the cost of living here is so low. You know, I could not work for a long time and just be completely fine where I don't have to worry about rent. I don't really have to worry about bills. It's like, you know, you don't have to play catch-up where you can kind of focus on, yeah, doing what you want to do. And like like I said, taking risks. That's what I really like to do, you know. I like to try different stuff. I like to see what works, what doesn't work. So, Like right now, I'm... Uh, right now, I'm doing my own courses, and I don't know whether that's going to work. Maybe I won't make any money at that, you know. Maybe I will, but yeah. it's
0: exciting.
1: It is exciting.
0: Yeah. Uh, are there any final words of wisdom you'd like to share, or things you'd like to tell people to do?
1: No, I Just am jerking off. Take care. Christian for a healthy life.
2: Take care, brush your hair, and I will see you in church.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much. Did you say Norwegian? Nicaraguan? <laughs> Nigerian. Nigeria. Nigeria? I don't know.
2: I was close. <laughs> One of them was any closer. Well, he wasn't really my coke dealer. He was just my
0: roommate. <laughs> Thank you very much. I can't remember what uh what we're calling you. Thomas. Thomas, thank you very much, Thomas. Okay, okay. Hey, Hayes, hey, this
1: guy's real nervous. <laughs> this guy's weird. Right
0: hey, okay, bye! All right. <laughs> <laughs>